passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When Ryan Swin, it's time to begin. It's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way Take the mic. It is Monday, February 27th. One more day to go. In the shortest month of the calendar year. Hello, Way. Hey, John. How you doing? What was your highlight of February? It's just coming so quickly. Highlight? Um, maybe going to Montreal. Yeah, that was fun. That was that was good. Yeah, it's not that that usual that that you know we make it out That's on true. these work trips anymore. It's kind of a once a year, twice a year type of thing. So that was definitely a highlight. What about you? Oh, I'm trying to think. Montreal was great. Montreal was a good time. Uh, I'm trying to think. This whole month just kind of uh, blends together. I don't Maybe know. it was going to see a movie for the first time in like four years. Um, it was up there for the month of February. Coming up later tonight, everyone, it is going to be John and Way go to the movies separately. <laughs> Way is going to give us a condensed review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and I am going to talk about the blockbuster hit Cocaine Bear where there was uh, $28.5 million of cokeheads this past weekend that went to go see this film. And I will tell you if it was worth the $11 that I spent for this movie ticket. And my my illustrious return to a movie theater. First I mean, time. you know, something that, that got you to go out for the first time in four years, I, I'm more so curious about, I think, just that experience and, and how you've you managed, honestly. Well, all that is uh, coming up later, so stay tuned. We've got a raw review to get into. We've got uh, the whole week ahead here at Post Wrestling. Very busy week. It is uh, AEW Revolution slash UFC 285 slash WWF UK Rampage 92 week here at Post Wrestling. We will get into all of that. Uh, but first up, 
we are going to dive into some news items from the past couple of days. Up first is an update on superstar Billy Graham, who unfortunately uh, has been in, uh, dealing with some significant health problems over the last couple of weeks. He has been hospitalized at the Mayo Hospital. And he has been dealing with congestive heart failure. He's also suffering from a, uh, a an infection in his ear and his skull. This is affecting his hearing. And what's really unfortunate when we talk about a lot of the, these health issues, especially for those in the U.S., is that his insurance is running out. And it is now costing something like $200 a day. And his wife has been working. And now both of them have just recently uh, contracted COVID. So that means that uh, his wife, Valerie, can no longer visit him in the hospital, nor can she go to work. And they do have a GoFundMe set up. It's a really unfortunate story for an individual that if you have followed, um, this has been like th- three plus decades of health ailments for superstar Billy Graham from uh from uh, transplants that he has needed. And he has been very forthright about the, the dangers of, you know, he was a heavy, heavy steroid user and believing that that has caused him a, a lot of problems uh, throughout his, his later years. But uh, sending our best to uh superstar Billy Graham as he is uh, in hospital. It just sounds uh, terrible about a lot of things that he is uh, dealing with all at once. And his wife as well. Now uh, both of them uh, testing positive for COVID. Over the weekend, Ring of Honor held their first set of tapings under the Tony Khan regime at Universal Studios. Way, if you had gone by Universal Studios on Saturday and Sunday, you would have caught 39 matches for the upcoming episodes of Ring of Honor this month. Uh, it's looking like, I don't think they have officially stated that this is going to be a two-hour show on Thursday nights, but it... Looks like it's probably going to be based on the amount that they have taped for four episodes. Um, I, I'm not going to like go over results and stuff, but the matches that they are promoting for Thursday's premiere uh, include Mark Briscoe against Slim J, with Mark Briscoe being in the first match, much like his brother was in the very first ROH match in 2002. So some uh, connective tissue there. Zack Sabre Jr. defending the New Japan television title against Blake Christian. Uh, they've also announced um, Claudio Castagnoli versus A.R. Fox for the ROH title and Konosuke Takeshita against Josh Woods. And I am imagining there's going to be uh, several other matches on this card. But this is all to build up a super card of honor. Number one way, was there anything that came out of the tapings that grabbed your interest? And as we are a few days out for this premiere, what do you sense the curiosity among wrestling fans for this first episode? Well, First, um, I, I think promotion for this type of thing is, is kind of unique in that it, I'm, I feel like it's the type of product that relies on word of mouth coming off of these tapings, coming off of not necessarily spoiler results, but I think, you know, um, match announcements, um, participant announcements, and just the general vibe of like whether or not people who attended actually had a good time. And from what I was able to read, I, I would say it, it, it was overwhelmingly positive from the people that were there. Um, I read many of the results. I think I, I pretty much read all of them. Um, and I am very interested. You know, um, this feels like it's not just 
there is, there's a lot of talent that you might see on an AEW dark, but I think this feels like a significant step above that in terms of just the, the caliber of talent. Um, I think there's a lot of talent that, you know, um, probably doesn't get enough airtime on AEW TV that audiences are going to be happy to see that we'll, we'll get that time on, on this product. And also some New Japan strong, um, New Japan, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, interaction in, in the form of Zack Sabre Jr. that's announced and even more to come, um, afterwards as well. So, so that one name in particular has me really interested about his future in, uh, ROH. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like we have a good outline of what they're building to towards Supercard of Honor. Is, is this going to, can we go over the, the big programs that they have, uh, yeah. Okay. Up? Uh, spoiler alert. Everybody skip ahead, you know, two minutes I, I don't think don't this stuff know. is, uh, too, well, uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. This is not giving away anything on the shows, but yeah. it looks like the big matches that they they at least tease coming out of these tapings. Uh, the obvious one being Claudio and Eddie Kingston for the ROH title, uh, Samoa Joe and Mark Briscoe for the TV title. Um, a program with the embassy against AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Grand Metalik, who looks to be going by the name Metalik, uh, hmm. dropping the Grand. So he's just Metalik, uh, for the six man titles. Uh, Top Flight and the Kingdom look to be, uh, working a, a tag program. Uh, but the most intriguing one is Wheeler Yuta, who said he will not rest until he defends his championship against Katsuyori Shibata. Yeah. Which, That's the big one. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, just at these five matches alone, I mean, it, it looks very intriguing for Supercard of Honor. And, um, I think a lot of people just to see Eddie Kingston away from the House of Black stuff and mm-hmm. as a baby face going for the title against Claudio, it's, mm-hmm. I think, going to be a refreshing change of pace for Eddie Kingston, who I think is being underutilized at the moment on AEW and is sort of, that's a guy that should not be lost in the pack in AEW. And he is yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is currently in a program with Ortiz, but I personally speaking, I've I've, I've really not been that interested. It feels like, you know, House of Black is already spun off of of all of that. Um, I just want, you know, a a, a real no-nonsense Eddie Kingston going for a championship and maybe the ROH championship is is where he'll be slotted. I, I don't know. Like... He's the type of name that I think you could build a promotion around and might even, you know, entice some people to, to pay a subscription fee once a month to, in order to see those particular matches. But for me, it's like a special attraction, like seeing a Katsuri Shibata. Um, he recently resigned with New Japan Pro Wrestling and, and maybe this was part of the agreement. Uh, for whatever reason, New Japan is still not having him wrestle, but <laughs> clearly Tony Khan is comfortable with letting him wrestle and as a one-time draw at least, or maybe a multi-time draw if he ends up winning this championship. Um, I, I find that very curious as well. And this does tie in with, uh, Wheeler Yuta just facing off with, uh, Orange Cassidy on television, Shibata's Best bud, that, Orange Cassidy. It. Honorary best friend, Katsuyori Shibata. Yeah. So maybe we'll get a, a reunion of Shibata and Orange Cassidy at the Supercard of Honor show. There's enough interest in, in these sort of like, you know, um, special attraction names and, and just like, um, characters that again, we don't often, we don't see enough in AEW to pique my interest, at least in these first couple of weeks leading up into Supercard of Honor. And, you know, th- these are, these are tapings and this is a product that's really going to have to make its name off of word of mouth. And, you know, oh my God, did you see this? And, and people feeling like they're missing out on the conversation if they're not paying that subscription fee to watch. So. That to me is the key. They need to be newsworthy. And that doesn't mm-hmm. always mean just, man, this match is going to blow your mind. I don't know if you can separate a product with just that alone as the, the word of mouth. I think you want 
hey, there was this unbelievable promo or there was this fantastic angle, like stuff that is newsworthy, that there is conversation coming out of the show, to your point, that people feel that this is something that I'm missing out on if I don't see it. So uh, I would say for at least this week, um, I'm definitely going to catch the show and maybe we can talk about it on Friday night's uh, show if uh, both of us get a chance to see it uh, th- this week. So that's coming up on And, and, and won't Thursday. they have some Jay Briscoe? memorial stuff for, for this one too the first episode i am um, that, that is what they had said that the first episode would be a sort of another jay briscoe tribute and i obviously we're not going to get a sense of what that is based off the match results like there will mm-hmm. be matches on the show but i am i wouldn't imagine that they're going to mm-hmm. have jay briscoe involvement into because they had stated for that plus for uh supercard that there right. would be tributes for for briscoe uh a&E did their uh, latest biography on Sunday night, and this one was on Jake the Snake Roberts. And this was one that I did want to see because Jake is an extremely compelling figure with a with you know a story that it is both tragic, but it is also there is a redemptive quality to it based off of his his attempt at sobriety over these last ten years, and seems to be in the the best place he has been in decades at the moment. Uh, did you get to see any of this way? I did not. I haven't seen any of the any biographies. I would say this is as far removed from what you would label as a WWE production. Like wrestling is present; it is the backdrop to all of this. But it's it's such a like you could just take any industry. This is so much about this individual who had this horrific childhood, and they go into many of the. Uh, graphic, graphic details involving his father, Grizzly Smith, who was a pedophile. And it was, um, if you saw the Dark Side of the Ring episode, you know what to expect with anything regarding Grizzly Smith, who to me is a, a real, real, just, um, an awful human being that was in this wrestling industry and is such a black mark on, uh, of figures that populated the, this industry. But you had, uh, his half sister, Rock and Robin, on camera talking about how she was abused by her father and suspected that her sister was as well. Um, their sister, Jolene, is actually a pretty awful story in and of itself where she went missing and was murdered. And they didn't touch on that at all in this one, which was more of a focus of the dark side episode. This was more primarily just on Jake and they did speak with, um, uh, various, um, direct family members and three of his children. So you have uh, his sons, Derek and Dustin, who he seems to have reconciled with over these last 10 years or so. And there's a nice scene of them where they're on a boat fishing. Uh, And then they also interview separately his daughter, Brandy. And you might remember Brandy. She was the daughter in Beyond the Mat who is confronting her father. And it's a very fractured relationship. And, it's very interesting to see this like Derek and Dustin, they have their own children and they have they see Jake making meaningful steps to try and um, to try and make the best out of, of, of the time he has left and that he has been able to build this or at least try to rebuild this relationship. But when the sons are discussed, like now that they have their own children, like it's almost a second cycle for them of how could our father neglect us so much? He was an absentee father and they, they have to reconcile that. Like it was a terrible childhood for them where a father was not present, but they are at least 
they are trying their best to rehabilitate this relationship with their father. Brandy, on the other hand, you get the sense that she wishes Jake the best, but it seems like she does not have a very close relationship, but has enough of one that she participated in this. Um, but there's like terrible stories of Brandy driving Jake from, uh, I think it was from Texas to Georgia. And there she is driving the car and her father is smoking crack the entire car ride. And if you've ever heard Jake, uh, you know, in these kinds of settings, he's an unbelievable, compelling speaker. And he's very forthright about all of his all of his problems that he has had throughout most of his life and states that if he could, if he would he would cut his legs off if he could make up that time with his children. Uh, but he can't. Um, he's you know, it is. No, he's just a very, very compelling speaker. But to me, it was the kids that are going to be the ones that resonate the most in this. It's, you know, the wrestling is so much of a back. Uh, it's it's such a secondary theme of this whole documentary. It's more about a man who wasted a lot of his life um, out trying to be a star. And with it came the type of lifestyle that he was sucked up in uh, forever and that cost was losing his family and hit several of his kids having no relationship with him anymore. And he is just looking at the years that he has left, uh, trying to mend those fences as, as best he can. And Diamond Dallas Page is featured in this as well, who really is just the, the savior that this man had, that they have the footage of him and beyond the mat. They have the footage of him from the uh, Heroes of Wrestling show and other independents where he's an absolute mess. And it's um, it's just horrible that these promoters sent this guy out in the shape that he was in. And it's it's just embarrassing to watch. And you have one of his sons noting that their children, they look at their grandfather as, you know, as they've seen him these last 10 years. He's their grandfather. And one day they're going to see all this stuff online of their grandfather who was a mess and all of the this footage that exists. And that's that's out there. That's a permanent mark on his on his history. Um, anyway, I, I thought this to be like a really um, well done piece. It is. Again, it's it's not a wrestling biography. It's it's a man that had um, countless, countless um, near death experiences like his, you know, his family state like we were waiting for, you know, that he would be the next wrestler to drop like that expectation was there. And it certainly existed among the, the wrestling community like this was going to be the guy that it's. That this would not have been a shock um, that you wake up one day and find out uh, something had happened with Jake. But it was, um, I, I thought, a really well put together piece. And they, the, the family just, they were, they were very honest and very, it, this did not have that just everything's perfect and I've corrected my life. It's the guy has reached sobriety, but that does not mean that you snap your fingers and all of the, all of these uh, sins are forgiven. Like this is a guy that, he will have to work the rest of his life, and some of those relationships will not come back. It's not just you, – you don't just uh, tie this thing up with a bow after two hours and leave thinking that everything's fine and everything's corrected in his life. I, I feel like, at least for me, um, Jake is like maybe one of the first um, cautionary tales that I've 
I've, I've been exposed to in this industry, um, largely because of beyond the mat, you know, prior to that, I, I'm sure this type of stuff existed, but I don't know if it's ever been like showcased as much as his and, and to the degree that his life had kind of spiraled out, out of. And, um, you know, by all accounts, at least it feels like his health, um, seems to be stable. Um, but like you said, you know, a lot of those scars are, are, aren't, aren't able to be healed. No. And even from a professional standpoint, getting away from the personal, here is a guy that when he, when he came back for that run in 96 and he's the born again Christian and they make his, his alcoholism part of an angle. And Jerry Lawler is interviewed on this and he says he, he does regret that because he was, he said like, I, I poured legit whiskey down this guy's throat as he's struggling and he's back on the road, but you go back to that run and a healthy Jake, he should have been the successor to Pat Patterson as Vince McMahon's right hand man. And in a different lifetime, in a different type of, um, you know, a clean Jake could have been among the most influential people in the industry for years. When you mm-hmm. look at how old he was in 96 and what he had to offer. Um, but th- th- that was, that was never going to happen given, given his state. Mm-hmm. So anyway, next weekend they are doing a China and, uh, there's a rivals episode on Cena and the rock. I have not seen any of the rivals episodes, but, uh, th- this was one that I, I, I think people, you know, it's similar to the Lex Luger one. Like it's, it's a, it's a guy that has gone through, uh, the gauntlet uh, of issues, but Jake, it's, it's extremely pronounced and you hear the story of his upbringing and it's, it's a, it's a very tough watch. Like for anyone to like, they have to put up a warning at, at the beginning of it just because of the, you know, the nature of what they're getting into. And it's, it's horrifying. Like to imagine this guy that from all accounts sounded like he was. He talked about the fact that he had this dream of being an architect. Like he, it's just the furthest thing from what you expect of Jake the Snake Roberts. And he was largely poisoned by his, his childhood. It's, it's, you know, he, he was molested by a stepmother. Um, just, just horrible, horrible things that he went through in, in his life. And he's an open book in this, uh, biography. Next is, uh, some updates that, uh, we have for Bloodsport 9, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, that is going to be happening on the Thursday of WrestleMania week. So they have added several matches as well as a head referee. Uh, in addition to the Kota Bushi Speedball Mike Bailey match that is going to take place, which might be among the most anticipated matches that week, uh, they have now added John Moxley against Davey Richards. Uh, Yuya Yuimura against Alex Coughlin. That had been previously announced. Davey Boy Smith Jr. against J.R. Kratos. Eric Hammer against Kelvin Tankman. Marina Shafir against Killer Kelly. And the head official way will be former Pride referee Yuji Shimada. Wow. <laughs> so they're, they're going well, to referee all- cam return. May- will Lenny Hart get another booking in pro, pro wrestling in, uh, this, this quarter? I mean, I would love it. Um, I, I, I don't know if uh, she must command a pretty good price, don't you think? You know, she's I, not working I, a lot, I would imagine, but still, like you, you, she probably doesn't come cheap. I, I would think not. I think le- that Lenny Hart would probably be a tough one. I, I would say honestly, um, I'm always curious who they get because the commentary has always kind of been uh, all over the place. Like uh, Lenny Leonard has done these in the past; he's been very good at it. Uh, I, I would love if they if they grabbed like Michael Chavello or. Uh, or Moral Ronaldo, they are in L.A. I mean, there's a, uh, I guess, some possible. I don't think Moral comes cheap either, and, and no, I, I don't, I don't know if that, you know, that fight plus um, um, deal is necessarily 
um, enough to, to justify something like that. But um, I'm I, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to say what, what you were like. I always look forward to Bloodsport. It's yeah. it always is its own type of show. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're also. Yeah. John Hennigan, Timothy Thatcher and Jeff Cobb have also been announced for this. So uh, the, the, to me, there's so much interest, not just I think in in the matchups, but seeing everybody up and down the card wrestle a, a different style of professional wrestling that, that they're used to. And that especially goes for somebody like a John Hennigan, um, who I think uh, displayed a great deal of creativity and any sort of like um, sort of box you kind of put him in and, and including Bloodsport. I thought he did really well the last time I saw him, um, you know, getting to see like Davey Richards in a prominent match. You know, he's a guy who um, for whatever reason, you know, is not really as, as talked about. Um, and maybe that's just kind of the stage, but this is about as big of a spotlight as, you know, a guy like that has had in, in many years against, in a match against John Moxley at a blood sport. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. Yeah. Moxley last year, Moxley had one of the best matches of the weekend with Ben mm-hmm. Busick on the blood sport show. So yes, looking forward to that one. Uh, ratings notes from the past weekend, SmackDown. Another big number, 2,408,000 viewers, number one on television Friday night, an 8% jump in the, in the demo with a 0.62. They also did their best 18 to 34 number of the past month. Uh, Canada, it was down from last week, which was the live show in Montreal, uh, naturally, but still doing over 240,000 viewers, which is still a big number in Canada. So, um, they're firing on all cylinders, especially for SmackDown and, Way I would imagine that's going to continue because they made a big push tonight for the first uh, in-ring interaction with Roman Reigns and Cody for this Friday show, which they made it abundantly clear. It's not just Cody showing up. He will confront Roman or Roman will confront him. There will be a, a confronting on Friday. Oh, yes. Yes. A real face to face, I guess. Yes, th- dude, we are overdoing the face to faces. We're getting, we're getting, we got one on Friday with Charlotte and Rhea. We're getting one next week with Logan and Seth. We got a FaceTime to face tonight on Raw. FaceTime to face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't see this momentum for, you know, the WWE changing anytime soon, you know, um, in these few weeks heading towards WrestleMania. Um, key is that they can keep it going after. That was the case last year. It was, it turned into a big mania and with the Cody stuff, it, they had momentum coming out of Mania. That's when you saw the shift begin. Hmm. Uh, Rampage, on the other hand, returning to its normal time slot, did 409,000 viewers, uh, number 30th among cable originals, and a .11 in the demo. So in its normal time slot of 10 Eastern, this would be the second lowest 18 to 49 number in the history of Rampage. And instead of comparing it to last week, which was their all-time low for the 7 p.m. airing, I compared this with two weeks ago as a more fair comparison. So from two weeks ago, viewership was up 9%, but they dropped 10% in the demo, uh, a big drop in males, 18 to 49 as well. So, you know, it's, uh, this was a show, as I said a a while ago, to me, the barometer of a, of a good rampage by its standards should be 200,000 viewers in the demo. They did 138 this week. So they were, they were well below that figure. This had the action Andretti, Sammy Guevara match, and also the young bucks and Aussie open. So, uh, this was a show. I mean, do you look at it way that, is there anything to the fact that that SmackDown is so red hot now that that is uh, burning out people for Rampage? Or do you think this is just something completely separate that Rampage is just a show that it's there's there's many weeks where it's lacking that that buzz? I think it's it's several of those factors, John. You know, I, I think um, when WWE is good, 
it contrasts um, to maybe, you know, what Rampage has kind of built its name on, and that's hot matches. When you have, I think, you know, important big stories and big characters, it, it kind of makes the other show, um, feel a lot less, um, consequential and a lot less important. And, um, unfortunately, I, I also feel like, you know, missing a week of Rampage with due to the NBA uh, All-Star game maybe got into people into the in people into the habit of, of missing a show you know like a lot you and of people I. skip that show that like that was a that that was the all-time low and that's including rampages that have aired all over the the the, the time slots on Friday. Mm-hmm. yeah you and i uh weren't able to watch it because we were in montreal and we asked ourselves did we miss it and you know watching dynamite the next week uh, we got enough of what we needed to uh in the form of recaps there wasn't necessarily anything so buzzworthy that made me really want to go back to rewatch um so i could see a lot of people maybe feeling the same way even if they were watching rampage um we also talked about you know what what it takes for these roh tapings to garner any sort of buzz and and attention and i think the same goes very much for a rampage especially if it's pre-taped these kind of like feed off of if you're only selling hot matches the matches better be pretty damn good and people better be talking about and coming out of these tapings in order for people to make the time because otherwise you know you're throwing an aussie open in there completely cold all you're really doing is just selling a young bucks exhibition match and that's for most people unfortunately is not enough and as as maybe you know as much as you and i, I might like action and dreddy and sammy guevara to a larger audience they're not going to make that time at 10 45 on a friday to stick around to watch something like that do you think when you're talking about an impact wrestling that i mean most weeks it's doing a hundred thousand viewers or less do you see this ring of honor edition having any effect on impact viewers or is impact such a niche audience that we're talking about that it's going to it's not going to affect that at all because what, what time is roh on and what time is impact on ROH is at seven. I'm, yeah. uh, it's not so much the, and impacts at eight and it's less the crossover than if you're an impact viewer, like that's two hours of your night. And mm-hmm. are you tacking on another two hours? And it's or very, are we possible, talking John? just about very, very small audiences that they're not going to be impacted. I feel like it's, it's more that like, I feel like at this point, if you're an impact viewer, you probably really enjoy it. And, and I, I think that there's, there's enough keeping you coming in, even if there is an extra two hours a week in an ROH. Um, maybe you choose not to watch ROH and instead you choose impact. I, I mean, from what it sounds like from, you know, hearing your reports, John, they, they offer something that's unique enough that, um, might keep, keep people coming back. And I, I would, I would contend it's probably a small enough audience that I don't think they'll be hurt. I just know going through the schedule coming up this week, uh, my head was spinning at just all the shows at this point. It, it's just like I cannot keep up with this. How many I, free days are left? Like in, in, in there's a none. Schedule. There's pretty much none. Uh, Saturday, I mean, but like Saturdays are pay per views. You know, I, I mean, if you're a UFC fan, like there's there's no free Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're just talking strictly wrestling, like yeah, it's and Saturday has now become WWE night once a month. Yep. On, on top of that, so. Anyway, lots, lots of hours. That's, that's the, the industry that we are in at this point. Um, and then coming up this week, last thing here, NXT on Tuesday, Wesley is going to hold an open challenge for the North American championship. Who's going to answer it? Tatanka? Skinner? Uh, somebody from, uh, who, who appeared on UK Rampage, baby Shawn Michaels. 
Okay. Um, yeah, that would be quite the open challenge then uh, for, for Wesley to be uh, yeah. called on. Uh, Mako Sadamura will take on Zoe Stark. Carmelo Hayes is take on Tyler Bate, which should be a very good match. Inda Sheer against Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. Sol Ruka against Electra Lopez. Uh, I don't know about that one. We'll see. And uh, Gigi Dolan will cut a promo on the show. Dynamite on Wednesday has the Casino Tag Team Battle Royale, and the teams that they have announced so far are Top Flight, The Best Friends, Lucha Brothers, The Kingdom, Ozzy Open, Butcher and the Blade, Silver and Reynolds, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta, Preston Vance and Roosh, and I guess then we get the, the Joker team as well, since it is a casino match. You have a pick? The Joker team. Okay. That'll be my All pick. Right. I guess you could you could look at uh, other options would be the uh, the Lucha Brothers. I can't imagine them not having a spot on this hmm. pay per view. So you could you could put them in there. Um, hmm. I guess it depends who the Joker team is. Hmm. Face of the Revolution ladder match. This match is going to be nuts. Eddie Kingston, Kanosuke Takeshita, Sammy Guevara, Powerhouse Hobbs, who is back in the Bay Area. So this <laughs> we had been talking about these tapings or the, these shows at the Cow Palace for, for months now for Powerhouse Hobbs. So we will see if they do something big with them. Uh, Ortiz, AR Fox, Action Andretti, and Commander making his AEW debut. Uh, I don't know what to expect in this match, but it, it's going to be unreal with the number of guys you have in this. It sounds awesome. And, uh, you know, it would have been nice on a pay-per-view, but I think it's even better to showcase these guys on TV with the biggest audience possible. Whoever's coming out of this, um, you know, stands to gain a, a really, really strong spotlight in front of a national audience. Hook will defend the FTW title against Matt Hardy. Orange Cassidy and Big Bill for the All-Atlantic title. Riho against Tony Storm. Chris Jericho against Peter Avalon. And we will hear from MJF and Brian Danielson days before their Iron Man match that takes place on Sunday night. We'll see if they, you know, heat up this card anymore uh, on Wednesday. Um, I feel like reactions towards Revolution thus far are somewhat mixed and and maybe not as high as previous AEW pay-per-views but um the card I think looks pretty strong can they really kind of hammer it home and make it feel special enough for people that are on the fence all right all of your news can be found up at postwrestling.com where you can also find all of our award-winning shows just this past weekend a big edition of the NWA podcast dropping with guest Emilio Sparks joining Chris Andrew and Nate Milton that's right. Yeah. You can also watch that, of course, at youtube.com slash post wrestling. Um, and WrestleNomics Radio talking about whether or not the WWE PC is a success. And also up right now is your review of Impact No Surrender with John Cena in the Post Wrestling Cafe. That is right. They held their, their special on, on Friday night. So, uh, you can always catch that coming up this week. Uh, for Post Wrestling Cafe members, on Tuesday night, we will have Rewind Away covering WWF's UK Rampage from 1992. As the company was embroiled in scandal, business was tanking in the US, they packed up, they went on a European tour, and it was a pretty big tour for the company. They did very well, and this was the end of the tour in Sheffield, England, where they brought the audience Davy Boy Smith versus IRS in the main event. <laughs> hey, come on. The, the big thing coming out of this set of uh, tapings, I suppose, um, or this videotape, I think what more people might remember it for, is, of course, a hidden gem in Shawn Michaels versus Macho Man Randy Savage. I believe one of only two technically televised matches that they've had. And, and this um, was the program that uh, Randy Savage really wanted with Shawn. 
Mm, yeah, so we'll be talking all about that. Plus, what else? What's the Brett match on this show? show? Uh, Bret Hart and Rick Martel, the Battle of Canada in England. Oh, all right, I'm down for that. So it's okay. Um, so anyway, that's going to be coming up on uh, Tuesday night. Then Thursday, uh, we are doing a free show covering the first three episodes of the latest season of Drive to Survive on Netflix. So mm-hmm. uh, first three episodes. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we will be reviewing the rest of the episodes. Uh, but this is episode one, two, three, one, two, and three. And we have one guest confirmed. Yeah, yeah. We'll be joined by Chris Elliott. Uh, those of you who, of course, are members of the Discord, um, or just listen to, you know, maybe uh, uh, the, the wellness policy, you're very familiar with Chris. He also happens to be a huge race fan. And, you know, John and I, as, as, as big of an expert as we are, um, uh, you know, in, in motor racing, I think maybe we, we might need the help of uh, somebody who's a bit more seasoned than us. So we'll be talking about. I don't about- classify myself an expert. Oh, I'm, 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 come on. I'm sure you do. You drive, you know, you drive I- a, I drive and I survive. <laughs> that's all you need to know. You know, that's it. You put gas in, you know, how, how much more to it is there? Um, so we'll be talking about the first three episodes. The first three episodes will be, uh, our review will be released for free. And then the rest of the episodes will be released in the post wrestling cafe. F1 season starts this Sunday, John. So maybe we'll even ask uh, Chris a little bit about this week's race in Bahrain. Yes. Well, we are going to be racing through the weekend because we have got, Rewind to SmackDown Friday night, and then on Sunday, I don't know how I scheduled this, but I am doing the UFC 285 post show with what? Eric Marcotte. Uh, at, this is a bad idea. <laughs> at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and then I will be back Sunday night with Way for AEW Revolution um, with our post show starting at about 4 in the morning, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's going to be a really long day for you. Um, yeah, um, there's there's no way around this. It's <laughs> it's one of those. It's John Jones' return. It's it's a pretty big card on Saturday, so um, we will have these two shows, and uh, and then Neil is going to save me on Monday by uh, by helping me out. So John's there you gonna go. Be, John's going to be marathoning, so I, I don't think you'll be watching much F1 on Sunday. I don't think so. The New Japan Cup starts that day too. Busy weekend, yeah. as always. All right. Postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, you can jump on board. Brand new month starting this week. And as Way mentioned, we will be doing uh, further Drive to Survive reviews for cafe members. Rewind to SmackDown every Friday night. We've got an Ask Away coming up in March. More Rewind Aways. We will have two in the month of March. And if you sign up in March, um, you will start to get our WrestleMania week coverage, which will be uh, starting uh, before the month concludes postwrestlingcafe.com are you ready to head to grand rapids michigan for tonight's edition of wwe raw i thought this was a really good episode of raw just off the bat cards on the table i felt the drag of this one and i don't Did know you? if that that was because of the crowd like this was a Dude, crowd the crowds, that was not very good it, these crowds and it is it is not specific to a city so i don't want to hear from people in grand rapids it's every week 100 percent. you're right they are so dead during these matches. It is mm. such a, it's just a patterned audience in WWE. They react to stars. They react to finishers, run-ins, uh, near falls, but the body of a match, it's sit on your hands time and it's every week. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was no different tonight. And I've just gotten used to it at this point, but it is, um, man, that, uh, was it Candice LeRae and Dewdrop? Uh, man, it was, if one person had yelled, you would have heard them loud and clear. 
So what does that tell you, John? I mean, does it tell you? Because it's like it's not like Candace and, and, and Piper Niven. They've been they've been on TV. I mean, I would hardly hardly classify them as stars at all at this point. Um, but I, I would anticipate at least a little bit more recognition and reaction. But these crowds are almost reacting as if they didn't know who these people were. So are the people that are going to these shows the same people that are watching three hours, or or are they just going to wrestling because it's in town? I find it to be much more pronounced on Raw than I do SmackDown. Like, SmackDown feels much more lively. And I don't know if that's just the idea that in a three-hour show that you're in the arena and you know that these are going to be longer. I, I, don't, I can't even say that because it's not like these matches are super long either. Like, we're, we're talking about uh, – like matches, but, but like, it's a longer show. There's a lot of downtime, you know. Especially I, when I, I don't live. know. I don't know if it's if it's something where maybe just um, the the audience is just more in for the idea that there's going to be a lot more downtime. These are not typically like all action matches when you have commercial breaks built into them. Whereas you know, for by and large AEW, it's they just sprint through these commercial breaks on top of it. Like they never let that crowd get down. I think it also, for me at least, like when it, when it comes to a lot of the quieter moments of tonight's show, it, it for me calls into um like calls to the issue of of a mid card that's just really not popular at all. Like in like not even a mid card with that much momentum, um especially in the women's division. You know, you, you people are clearly there for you know a Sami Zayn, a Cody, um maybe even a Becky Lynch and and, and Alita, but beyond that. You, you know, they're just kind of names that people are just kind of sitting through to get to those bigger names. Um, whereas I think in the past, you've at least like had people to look forward to in the mid card that, you know, might one day ascend. Um, I feel like you have a lot less of that. Well, what I liked a lot about this show was putting a lot of the pieces in place for WrestleMania. It, it seemed most of the segments had a direction to them. You can see where things are going. And I just thought that this was a show that had a lot of news coming out of it. So it felt to me like it, like it moved quicker. And throughout the show, it is building up Becky and Lita as they're arriving at the building, getting ready throughout the night as they would challenge for the tag titles in the main event. But starting the show is Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa, the only members of the bloodline on the show. And they're talking how all families fight. The crowd is chanting for Sammy. And Jimmy says, if you come for one member of the bloodline, you come for all of us. And they list off what they've done to Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. And the same is in store for Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. And they were making it perfectly clear and loud. Roman Reigns will be on SmackDown this Friday. Uh, very much pushing this fact. They get interrupted by the Street Profits who start making fun of both of these guys. At one point, Jimmy like broke and he had to turn his back because uh, it just looked like he was laughing at these two. Yeah, I mean, it, they call them – they said who hotter than Jim Dalla? And I I mean that must have been an inside joke because I, I – I mean I, I don't really get the reference. So, Well, one reference everyone got was the Street Profits bringing up Jay's – 2k rating of 90 which is one point above jimmy's rating in the game Ooh, ooh! it's like going home like it, it, this is especially tough if you're a twin you know imagine going home with your report card and you have to be compared to your twin all the time your twin gets a 90 and you got a measly 89 you know that's a whole letter grade difference yeah um i had to go through that in high school i took i took a philosophy class a year after my brother did and i got a 90 percent on an exam 
And I thought this, I hit the jackpot, like 90%. What are you going to say bad about 90%? And my teacher goes, you know, your brother got 100% on this test last year. Ooh. So, oh. Oh. So he got perfect. I, I guess there is a way to be better than 90%. So thank you for making this 90 feel like a failure. Hmm. Maybe that was their way of motivating you. I decided that day I'm not going to be a philosopher. Made my decision right that moment. You, in some ways you are, I would say. I guess so, yes. Have, yeah. Well, Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa took on the, uh, the street philosophers. Kevin Patrick notes that Jay is not here today, and they replayed Ford's flip from the chamber. I was glad they at least replayed this as opposed to just completely ignore it after he wasn't on TV last week. And they called it a star-making performance for Montez Ford. Uh, during the break, uh, this was just notable for Canadians uh, that with the house shows this weekend, they are promoting uh, for Saturday in Toronto, Roman Reigns against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against Solo Sokoa. And then the next night in Kitchener, you want to make the drive to Kitchener, you will get Gunther versus Drew McIntyre and Bray Wyatt versus L.A. Knight in a lights-out street fight. Not branded? Not Mountain Dew? I mean, maybe, Canada, maybe, Canada maybe, Dry? Maybe the city maybe. of Kitchener will sponsor it. Maybe their tax dollars will go towards sponsoring a house show match. What is Kitchener known for? I mean, it's like a college town, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. They don't have a... Defining, uh, th- th- this, be is like where, a this is where I just make a, a joke and then I hear from five people from Kitchener the next day and I don't want to hear from anyone from Kitchener. No offense. I just, I don't, I don't want to know. Hey, um, surprised, surprised you didn't mention that we are the home of the, uh, of the cold, uh, of the cold stone, uh, that is, was first, uh, cold, built the in first Canada. cold stone cre- creamery. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I thought no it was idea. American that, that changed. it is. It is. I have no idea what Kitchener has done, but. Look it up. <laughs> they get Damn. Gunther and Drew. You think that's the Mania match? Gunther yeah, and Drew. I do. I do. Uh, I, I, that's what this. This is what house show should be. You know, it's a, yeah. like we're, we're, I, we're I would love to see that match. I would love to go to a house show and see where they'd probably get some time as well. Like it's headlining the show, most likely. If you're gonna have a match at WrestleMania, you better have you know your reps in to make sure that your chemistry is there and that that you know you have your your car, you know what works with with your with your partner. And I, I, it's an extra draw during these seasons to be able to see a preview of what is to come at WrestleMania. So I like that a lot. Um, I think making you know rematching the the Sami Zayn Roman Reigns. Yes, we know what all, what the finish is going to be, but um, there's still I, like something title special in Toronto. <laughs> well, hey man, they want to make a statement, you know. What is it, uh, Toronto? Well, um, if they want to make a statement, sure, you know, like we we missed the boat in Montreal, but it, it, it was all saved for this house show in Toronto. For so. for the icy title, I would love to see Drew and Sheamus have a match on night one, and then you're you're either promising people. The fresh match of Drew and Gunther, which maybe you get, or you're teasing like the rematch uh, with Sheamus and Gunther for night two. Sheamus and Gunther. Okay, so Sheamus and Gunther in in, in right. No, I'm, okay. I'm saying Sheamus against Drew on night one, and the winner gets the title match on night two. I see. I see. And that incorporates Sheamus into this whole thing. Sure. Yeah, they could do that. They get the advantage on uh, Dawkins, and then there's a hip attack by Sokoa, and Ford headbutts Jimmy off of the turnbuckle, hits a high cross, and then as they set up for the Doomsday blockbuster, Solo stops it, shoving Ford off the top, super kick and Samoan spike to pin Dawkins in 11.34 as they continue to make uh, Solo Sokoa the bulldozer, just running over these guys. No controversy, and uh, that's it. 
they win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I honestly like. I, I love how protective they've been of Solo Sokoa, so I can't really hate on this. You know, unfortunate that I think Montez Ford, after having such a big um, appearance at the Chamber, by all indications, isn't really you know primed for any sort of significant role, even with the profits. Um, I wonder if they'll even get on WrestleMania. Unfortunately, but you know, it's the Bloodlines year. Do you think Solo Sokoa gets? A WrestleMania match. Does he need one? What if What if he wins the battle royal and proclaims it the Umaga Memorial Battle Royal? He, he, he could do that. Yeah. Uh, probably won't though. Probably not. No, I, I I think that would upset a lot of the Andre fans. Just the way he's but, been protected, I I almost don't want to see him just thrown into something for the sake of it. Like if the if battle royal degrade, him, degrades him, honestly. Then just put him in the corner as an obstacle for Owens and Zayn to overcome. Like he can just yeah. be with the Usos in the corner and, and that, and that's his role. It would be more impactful than mm-hmm. just put him in somewhere for a match sake. Um, but if you're in a tag team in the WWE right now, like unless you're Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, I, I, and they're not even a tag team yet. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if WrestleMania is looking that great for you. I mean, you know, the, the, with the way these belts are, just that entire division is kind of iced. So they continue the attack on the Prophets, and Sokoa wraps the chair around the neck of Montez Ford. And as he goes to deliver the hip attack, Kevin Owens runs in, super kicking Sokoa, and stuns Jimmy, and is also now donning a black hoodie, much like his nemesis Sami Zayn is. Mm. Well, it is... Um, Are they going to have is- branded hoodies for WrestleMania weekend? To sell? Uh, they have them every year, John. Like, you've been to the Access store, dude. But like, just they, these plain black hoodies, nothing on them that they'll sell for 75 bucks. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they could fit a WWE logo on it somewhere and justify, you know, charging $100. Maybe, maybe they'll come that. out with their own weightlifting belts. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? Yes. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they either of them use weightlifting belts. I mean, I don't know if they're, they either of them look like the the bodybuilding type, but um, they're they're incredibly athletic. I don't want to say anything disparaging, of course. Um, so you know, I like this though. I like the fact that they're both wearing the same thing, despite the fact that both of them are not supposed to be fighting together. They're it's just the the, the wardrobe gods are are forcing them together, John. You know, even if they don't want to team together, they are telling the audience and making us want to see them together just by simply the way that they dress. The VIP lounge segment was next, and Brock Lesnar is out first before MVP makes his entrance. And Lesnar says he has no beef with MVP. This is all about business, and wants to hear MVP sell him on the idea of a match with Omos, which. I was thinking, wow, brace yourself, because MVP is going to have to work overtime here to convince us of this match for WrestleMania. Lesnar says that he does not feel insulted after he was called a coward last week. And MVP explains that the beast, Brock Lesnar, can destroy any man, but a giant can conquer a beast, and you wouldn't be able to throw Omos around. And this is enough for Brock to state, you know what, the next month of my life, I'm committing to this. This is the option I want. So he accepts it. And they go to toast, but instead of the champagne that MVP has, Lesnar pulls out a flask containing white lightning that he chugs down, and then MVP has to well, chug this. What is white lightning? What is that? Uh, I I assumed it's uh, some illegal moonshine that he has uh, made in Saskatchewan of some sort. White probably. lightning? What kind of – okay, so just mystery liquor. 
I don't know. I, I, I bet you, I bet how you, you get, how do you get this across the border? You know what? Canadians have a way of crossing the border if they're pro wrestlers and not being uh, questioned. Must have drove it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I doubt it was perfectly balanced. He could have asked me for some tips. Ah, that's right. You went to your uh, drink mixing class. Yeah, I could teach him a thing or two. I didn't learn what white lightning was, though. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so MVP begrudgingly chugs this, and it's so gross, he spits it up on Lesnar, who F5s MVP. And uh, we are left with what appears to be the direction. In four weeks' time, Brock Lesnar versus (laughs) Omos at WrestleMania, which um, it's a match, and I guess the hope is that Dude, I I can't fathom this dude taking like a a belly to belly. Um, I guess he can take a German and hopefully an F five belly to belly. I'm curious. I, you, I, I Omos maybe, going over, well, like, rotating it, over. I wouldn't risk it, of course. But if oh, anybody, dude. like, I feel like I've seen the Big Show take a belly to belly, right? Like he's taking some form of like crazy suplex like that. He could take a German suplex, you know, like the, like Brock Lesnar taking Omos to Suplex City, F fiving him. I think will be pretty spectacular and and maybe enough to justify this i, I will tell but. you this omos will take all these german suplexes and mm. everyone will say oh it, it, it was fine and we are going to hear interviews from omos in 10 years where he is going to talk about how awful his body was after taking all of those suplexes at his size big show went through this it was mm. like dude that that brock feud killed big show uh taking all those those suplexes um right but yeah that's this is strictly being put together for the visual of Omos um, and, and Brock doing a crazy Brock match with a guy that is um, going yeah. to be called upon to have to do some athletic be like getting tossed around. Yeah, I understand that idea. I understand WrestleMania is the time to, you know, create moments and this could be a moment. Um, I feel, though, especially if you're Brock Lesnar at this stage you know, in your career, I, I, I want to see something a, a bit more complex than just essentially a spot. You know, what we're talking about here is like, you know, a guy throwing somebody all around the promise of a more interesting match with a Gunther with, I don't know. Um, I mean, remember when we were talking about Steve Austin as a possible opponent for this guy and somehow we landed on Omos instead, but just the, like some, something that that's more attractive, you know, and, and, and able to, I think, let people feel like it's it's at least a semi-main event worthy type of oh, dude, dude this will be six minutes tops and, and maybe and, the days and, of brock doing 15 is in the rearview mirror like these are the kinds but, of matches he's looking for and that's fine but even like a six minutes against like somebody who like a matchup that has a bit more a story and a bit more juice attached to it than somebody like Olmos who hasn't been featured at all on their television for the past six months uh, you're just basically telling us, you know, Brock Lesnar is going to throw a big, you know, punching bag around. And I, I, that's just not really enough for me. Kathy Kelly interviewed Lita and Becky and Lita has been making history for over 20 years. Boy, did they have to dance around this where she, they stated several times that she has been linked to some of the biggest tag teams in history, but could never say the Hardys. Uh, this came up. Who are here the others? By... What are the other tag? Teams well, that was it. I was like, what? What is the other iconic tag team that she is associated with besides the Hardys? Because they did pluralize this. Yeah, I'm trying to think. That like... uh, that legendary uh, link with uh, Dean Malenko. Was that ever a tag team? And Papi Chulo. Yeah, no. T- uh, the, the tag Rios? teams don't really come to mind. Yeah. What? Yeah, maybe in ECW, she she was involved in some tag teams with uh, 
Do- she was she was with uh with Doring and Roadkill. A legendary, legendary, yes. legendary. Okay. So then there's a promo for Raw next week, which will be very big with John Cena in Boston. Cody Rhodes against Chad Gable. Uh, within a minute, Cody hit Gable with an inverted superplex off the top, and then during the break, Gable goes after the knee with multiple dragon screws as he pays homage to the retiring Keiji Muto. Uh, Cody goes for a disaster kick and. His knee buckles as he's going for it, which I thought was a nice touch as he sold the knee here. He goes to the figure four, Gable's out, and then another disaster kick gets caught with a midair German, and Gable follows with a cliffhanger DDT and a moonsault. Just th- this guy is awesome. Like if if he had come into WWE and was four inches taller, like he would have blown away Austin Theory's push. He would have been like their guy. If this, if he had been four inches taller when he came, instead he was shorty G. And <laughs> if he was four man, inches taller, um, would he be this good? You know, is it because he's short that he's so good? I, I don't think. If he was four, four inches, inches taller, he would just be a Kurt Angle. You know, and and I don't even. I think, I think a he'd guarantee. take that. I, I think that's an okay. <laughs> that's an okay template. I guess there's not even a guarantee a Kurt Angle coming in right now would wouldn't be you know some deeper comedy character. So uh, Otis is in the corner, and he's busy looking for Maxine. So Cody sends him over the barricade, and then into the ring he goes, scales to the top, Cody Cutter, crossroads, and wins in 1035. Uh, I I enjoyed this match, and the audience is very behind Cody uh, with whatever he does. He is the exception to the crowd sitting on their hand rules. Well, he's one of the few stars, you know, that people actually um, see as stars that people are coming here and paying paying a ticket to, to, you know, actively want to see. I thought a really excellent TV match, uh, a pairing on paper that I was pretty excited by. You kind of have that with the Chad Gable and the mid card. He's just your workhorse um, that is capable of, I think, just being involved in like build dream matches, even though he's not pushed to any sort of significant extent. Um, this is Gable- who I want to see at Bloodsport. Oh, I'd love that. Absolutely. Just put a mask on. See if anyone notices. Sure. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, Cody showed a good deal of personality here in vanquishing the Otis advantage. He took care of the heel threat, gave us an exciting match, showed a bit of personality. And uh, for a week where Cody wasn't talking and cutting a significant promo, at least, um, I thought it was a pretty strong week, you know, just to kind of showcase that in ring, he feels like a leader. You know, he's really continuing to show continuing to show that that aptitude for that top guy role whether it be you know constantly delivering on the microphone um playing the kid here kid's hero you know like he's giving his weight belts now doing the breath thing you know ringside and showing that he could be the guy to do the make a wishes like John that girl Cena. lost her mind when she got the weightlifting belt Probably because she knows what the street value of these weight belts are at the merch stand. At least $75, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, But, you know, he's also showing that he's somebody who's very capable in ring to uh, live up to a modern standard. So he's really checking all the boxes. Rhodes has yet to stand in the ring with Roman, but that changes this Friday. He's going to Washington, D.C. in the Mm. building that housed the first ever Dynamite. Interesting. I don't know if that will be brought up. Maybe, maybe in a promo he could make reference, I'm sure. Um, hey, uh, White Lightning is Overproof Vodka from Alberta. So another name for Moonshine. Vaz Vegas, thank you for that. Uh, also, a few people informing us that Lita was involved with Rated RKO. So, okay. So at least two. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. She was uh, – yeah, she was She was there right as they were kind of forming, weren't they? Cause she, she was like, I think she went. was – 
I don't know. I I don't remember anything from those years. Yeah, it was. Uh, remember, remember that send off she got? Was, um, uh, the not very nice one. It was a pretty horrible one. Yeah. Saxon is with Baron Corbin, and things are not going his way, and he has to cut the interview short. Uh, Saxton does because uh, something more important came up and uh, unlike a few weeks ago we never went back to Baron Corbin in the show he was just left there because Kevin Owens was wandering by and he said that the bloodline should be worried about consequences and he wants the bloodline to fall but I don't need or want any help so him and Sammy have the same objective but Kevin does not want any help I think he's going to need help that's my guess yeah eventually I think they both will the next a movie trailer parody was introduced, and this was Montez Ford and Bianca Belair as Jack and Rose in Titanic, where Montez took a selfie on the ship and then dropped his phone, and he has not backed it up on a cloud. Um, mm-hmm. This one felt flat to me. I, I didn't think this one was that great. I was waiting for like – like usually these have like a great like punchline to them. Yeah. And th- this one did not. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was really promising. You know, the moment you you see this pink painted cloud and just kind mm-hmm. of the, the sepia tone, and you they see set the tone like the the establishing visual was great. Looked great, you know. And and the moment you see that it's Ford and, and Bel Air, I, I was expecting um, this to be you know as good as the first one, and maybe even better. Unfortunately, the the writing just never came. You know, the lines never really came, and the big punchline was felt pretty minimal um uh i was i was just expecting more i don't know if there's an extended version of this somewhere i hope because this one felt really short especially compared to like the uh the first time we saw the rollins becky one um but this was pretty weak you know um comparing to certainly the totality and the high bar that like the previous um set of um what is it uh trailers set the Judgment Day recap uh, Dominic on SmackDown with Ripley. And Dominic is going back this Friday when Rhea takes on Liv Morgan. And he knows that Ray isn't going to do a thing when it comes to ex-con Dom. Ripley then says that when she looked into Charlotte's eyes, she saw acceptance of her fate coming at WrestleMania. And the final word went to Finn Balor, who has issued a challenge to Edge for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Judgment Day really kind of like... You know, reminding us that almost every member has a significant program heading into WrestleMania. Yeah, Damien had nothing to add. <laughs> yeah, he and I'll be in your, your corner, Finn. He did. He did the intro at least. You know, yeah, so yeah. and maybe he'll have something. You know, by the end of this, it looks like he's building something with Gargano. So we'll see. Uh, Otis was outside the doctor's office, and Maxima male models appear, and they ask if Otis has considered their offer, and. They would be willing to be in his corner tonight if he wrestled. So he went off to find Adam Pierce to get a match booked for later. Oscar and Carmella saw Oscar uh, miss a hip attack and crash to the floor and then is hit with a super kick. They come back. Carmella is getting in her face and is nailed with a spinning back fist and a bunch of kicks. Carmella briefly gets the code of silence. It's broken. And Oscar goes to the arm bar and submits her in eight minutes and 51 seconds. Oh, this was just a a win for Oscar, and it looks like Carmella is going to be doing a uh, uh, losing duty to both sides of this title match because she got she has Bianca next week. So Jeez. WrestleMania, it there's always the people we're building for Mania, and the people that are there to build those that are going to Mania, and, and you have people that aren't aren't doing anything at all. And I think if you're Carmella, you'd much rather have this role than just you know I don't know somebody who who is not even on the show. 
Um, I would contend that she's actually a very important part of this roster because you don't have many heels in this division that I, I think the audience even knows, you know, that are capable of building a, a certain degree of heat. And Carmella is able to, like, she has enough personality that she can get people's attention and she can draw a reaction from the crowd so that somebody like an Asuka or Bianca Belair can beat them up and, you know, get a good reaction. And I thought the match was actually, like, pretty good, in my opinion. I thought it went a pretty fast pace. I thought Asuka's intensity really came through. Carmella, you know, did a good job taunting the crowd and, um, this though was probably where I started to notice the crowd like really start to wane. Um, yeah, for a lot of the matches. Well, Oscar called out Bianca, and Bianca storms out because she doesn't like Oscar's tone, and informs her you can't spell WrestleMania without E S T. And with that, Carmella shoves Oscar into Bel Air, and Carmella proclaims herself the best, and she will take on Bel Air next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I really feel like Bianca's personality has kind of been lacking as of late. You know, ever since the Alexa program, I feel like I've yet to really hear a fired up, genuine Bianca Belair promo. Um, And it's probably because of the subject matter of like the opponent. But I just don't know if this Asuka program is going to necessarily bring it out of her either. I mean, Asuka is a baby face who also doesn't speak much. And I, I've just like not really felt bianca be real like what is she fighting for for this wrestlemania what's her motivation in all of this what's oscar's for that matter well for oscar you have the title and for bel-air it's uh why does she want to win the title she's won it before well i think i think as we said i think you could do a lot more of sora what what precipitated this change for oscar while she was gone like take mm-hmm. us outside the arena for oscar but you're right. It's I think it's a tough dynamic with these two baby faces that you can't just do a traditional build for. And I, I don't doubt the match is going to be great, but are the next four weeks going to be uh, building this to be one of the more anticipated matches at the show? It does not feel like it a month out. Like, mm-hmm. This feels like a match that you can throw on wherever on the card. Um, but I would think yeah. you, you want this to be a higher if you're comparing the two women's programs it's it's very clear which feels like the a women's title program this year and, and uh, i mean and that's largely because of ria you know ria has the story of wanting to overcome the you know first wrestlemania uh, loss that she had yeah. um we've yet to and it's still early but i i really hope they establish something for bel-air and oscar yeah, the, and the SmackDown one, it has its issues too. It's a very mm. confusing story where yeah. it's like there's this clear uh, fan favorite in Rhea Ripley, but that's not the story they're doing. And Charlotte is like, I believe she's trying to be a babyface, but does not yeah. come off like it. So it anyway, we have we we have time, but it's certainly a, a perplexing one. Piper Niven against Candice LeRae. Nikki Cross followed Candice to the ring. And after Niven, uh, this was the match where it was silence during this one. S- Niven hit a senton, and then LeRae comes back with an elbow, drives Niven into the buckle, and then LeRae gets shoved to the floor, and Niven tosses Nikki Cross into the barricade, and as she rolls into the ring, Candice catches her with a roll-up in two and a half minutes. So Candice LeRae beats Piper Niven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, like, would you rather be Carmella sort of like being the person be- getting beaten to tell a WrestleMania story? Or would you rather be Piper Niven being beaten to tell a raw story here with Candice and, and, and Nikki Cross, you know? Um, yeah, I was. Were we to take this that Nikki helped Candice by getting thrown into the barricade and thus, uh, taking, yeah. diverting Piper's attention? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, oh. Nikki. Well, but the idea is that she at least tried to help. And I, I, you know, for somebody like, like Piper Niven, um, I, I, it's questionable that she, she would be the one kind of put into this role because I think you're still just trying to establish her right now as like a dominant threat in this division. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming she will come back for revenge against Nikki Cross and, and Candace, but even to slot her at this level, I, you know, you just, you just can't help but just kind of picture her in this sort of like mid card role that isn't all that, um, enticing, but Hey man, they have to build a story starting from somewhere. So the crowd did not see this as important though. And then Mr. Segway, Byron Saxton welcomes in a man who knows Candace LeRae very well. Johnny Gargano, who enters the shot noting, yeah, she's my wife. <laughs> and with that, he alerts us that he has a match with Otis. He's not fully recovered from the chamber yet. When the judgment day enter and, st- and Gargano mocks them, as the four of them going through a goth phase, and Priest is not amused by this term, and threatens him, Balor says that Otis is going to flatten you and put maple syrup over you, and if he doesn't finish the job, I will next week. Gargano says, that sounds delicious. Right. Where where has this man fallen to? Finn Balor or Johnny Gargano? What do you mean? Johnny Gargano. Oh, yes, I know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, again, it's Triple H that's writing these shows, or at least in charge. And you figure if there's somebody in this world who knows how to book a Johnny Gargano as a serious babyface, it would be him. Yet it's like this entire duration he's been involved as some sort of side character attached to a comedy storyline. And I'm sorry, but comedy is not this man's strength. I don't know if they, he just really loved the way or something, but I just, I, I, I don't think comedy is this the best use of a Johnny Gargano. Um, Dude, when so he is- came out for his match with Otis, you have Corey Graves on commentary t- telling you, the audience, that Gargano has a haircut that you grow out of when you're 12. Like, where is this Graves coming up with this? Because it, it, in another era, you just – that screams Vince in your ears. That right. is making fun of this guy's haircut. He has a 12-year-old's haircut. This Your baby face that you should be getting behind. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's – um. But it's uh, so you know Gargano Balor on TV. I think that's a pretty like strong hook for for NXT fans at least you know who remember. Um, and then it looks like Gargano versus Priest might be the long term program. Do you think that's a Mania match or TV? Uh, that feels like TV. Hmm. It does not feel big enough for WrestleMania. Miz TV. Miz comes out and he reveals his wife's anniversary present, but he wants to reveal it with his guest, who will be the host of WrestleMania. Himself, he will host WrestleMania, and it will be bigger than the Golden Globes, bigger than the Oscars, and make more news than Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. All right, you were right. It was not a pregnancy. Uh, no, no, he is. Uh, he is He's hosting WrestleMania. He is just as just as good. <laughs> and and yeah. he's having. Uh, and we're getting twins this year. Night one, night two. That that is right. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. You know, he's a Hollywood guy. Um, having him host, essentially, what is a host of WrestleMania? Like, a guy comes out, cuts a promo at the beginning, and that's it. Right? Do a couple segments, do something with a celebrity, take a bump, whatever. Whatever they yeah. come up with that weekend. Seth Rollins interrupts him, and uh, Miz is upset that he's ruining his announcement. And Rollins says that Miz is acting like a b-hole. So Miz says, I'm not a b-anything. 
I'm an A-lister. To which Seth, Seth says, that must make you an A-hole. Seth requests that the Miz call Logan Paul on his behalf. Miz refuses, so Rollins knocks him out cold, takes the phone, takes a photo of the Miz, and then FaceTimes Logan Paul and makes a crack about Jake Paul losing to Tommy Fury on Sunday and asks, how's your brother doing after that loss? And he issues a challenge for Logan Paul to show up at Raw next Monday and ends the call by saying, bye-bye, bitch, and hangs up on the man. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was like constantly fixated on with this particular segment segment was how they managed to get that over the the shoulder shot on Logan Paul of the cell phone. And I can only assume that they pre-taped this particular shot. And I was watching this like this. This was an extremely, uh, yeah, close up shot. And hit dude, Seth's hand was as steady as you could imagine. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) Yeah, and it took him a while to like even get into the position. And I mean, listen, like to do something like this on live TV is incredibly risky. And I thought they pulled it off like pretty well, you know, but I, I guess my question is why you even would do it. You know, they really wanted to make this FaceTime call seem perfectly natural. Uh, this FaceTime that just happened to be hooked up to, um, I don't know, uh, a big screen. Um, anyway. I, th- I thought it was clever. I, I, I liked it. It was uh, something different. And they pulled it off and, and the reaction, you know, we all knew this match was going to take place and this was the official announcement and it got a big reaction. Yeah, yeah uh, quite honestly, I, I'm looking forward to these two having a match. I think it's I going am. to be I, I, I don't think this is one where uh, like people are going in. I would say this is like the highest expectation people are going to have for a Logan Paul match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kathy Kelly interviews Damage Control and Bailey calls Eon Dakota the best champions in WWE history. Or sorry, best champions in WWE. She didn't go so far as to say history. But this is their story, their legacy. Then Austin Theory walks in, and next week he is going to get into John Cena's face to show him the respect he has for John Cena as we uh, get get that program off off and running. Yeah, not really kind of like leaving any sort of mystery there. You know, like they're, they're pretty deliberate in telling you that it'll be Austin Theory versus John Cena. I guess they haven't announced the match. And, you know, if you're not expecting that, then that'll, that'll still be a, a What if surprise, Cena says but... he's busy? Oh, he could. Yeah. Um, if he's busy, then sorry, Austin Theory. Yeah. Bobby Lashley took on Elias. Uh, Rick Boogs was taking notes, which he didn't have to take many of for because I had one line here. Elias uh, dropped Lashley on the barricade, was caught with a flatliner and spear, submitted to the Hurt Lock in a minute 33. Yeah. Um, Analysis. <laughs> is So Lashley is a babyface. I think we've established that by now. Is there still an MVP association? MVP is still sticking up for him, so clearly there's still a bit of an of an association is he is, a baby face what's what's bray he's coming out and slapping hands right well, but i guess well, i guess bray is a baby face so maybe lashley isn't then there's no one i feel I'm worse just, for than bobby lashley this i i hate this program already um more importantly does the hurt business actually still exist uh not Where, this week it's they're off and on okay they they've had their issues okay okay they're like a a four higher type of. The hurt business exists on weeks when they need to exist, Got and it. on weeks like this, they don't need to exist. And for the fact that they're leading to this Bray Wyatt program, maybe they don't need to exist. It's like a band that like 
I don't know, only gets together for the tours and then otherwise they're, they're broken up. That's it. Hmm. Lastly, is not in a good mood. He owned Brock at Elimination Chamber and he resorted to a low blow. So keeping this Lesnar thing in the back of everyone's mind or maybe the front of their mind too. I suppose so. But God, like how unsettling, you know, like, uh, yeah, that, WrestleMania that backlash. Finish, that finish was just awful. <laughs> when you add to the fact, oh, we're, <laughs> they're going separate directions for Mania. Well, you and I, like we, the whole world assumed, okay, they're doing a non-finish at Elimination Chamber and they did it because we all thought they were building to a WrestleMania rematch. And turns out they did a non-finish to build to separate, completely separate programs with, with each of them. And yeah, WrestleMania backlash or Saudi could, it, it, it may be that's, likely. That's what I'm thinking is Saudi Arabia. <sighs> to get brought wow, on that still show. like you're delaying it by so much and uh, the low blow was so lame well bray appears on the screen and he does the muscle man dance and tells lashley erase your mind and you should run and i would too from this program if i was bobby lashley but he he drew the short end of of the stick for wrestlemania that he's in this and God knows what this is going to be. So who wins this? How would you book book this one? If you've been so protected of Brock and Bobby Lashley heading into WrestleMania, who wins this Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley program? Oh, I I hope it's something goofy. I hope it's a, I hope it's an animated match. Like they, they fight in this little cartoon gym and it's an animated version of Bobby Lashley against a real life Bray Wyatt. I hope somehow Bray is able to bring back uh, Lashley's sisters and he's able to like, just like you know, take us through the Firefly Funhouse of the Bobby Lashley WWE run. Maybe, maybe throw a bit of Trump reference in there. <laughs> maybe, um, you know, uh, do the butt pose. Leo Rush can come in for a one night only appearance and tell him to hit him with the pose. There's a lot of material you could work with. Adam Pierce is with Chelsea Green, who is complaining about being sent to Ottawa, Illinois. She had never heard of Ottawa, Ontario, which was a funny <laughs> line, as Pierce says, "You're Canadian." <laughs> And She's Carmelo, BC, though. yeah, that's true. They they they're not they're not aware of that many she didn't take geography. East. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was waiting for the question of why did you fly me all the way to Grand Rapids for for this? And <laughs> she then meets Carmela, and they they hit it off immediately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're kind of very similar in in character, you know. Um, and I think they already showed a good bit, a bit of chemistry. Uh, there aren't many tag, te- uh, what tag teams in the female women's division period. Um, and I think this is a, a way to kind of breathe a little bit of new life into the both of them. This, this could certainly work, uh, together. I, I, I still feel Chelsea's doing very, very good in this role. And it's, mm. you know, finding, you know, if she can play off Carmella and they, they sort of amplify the other, um, it's, 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 it's going to be reliant on Adam Pierce to just be even more annoyed than ever at the bottom. That's fine. Them. That's fine. That's yeah. his role. Otis and Johnny Gargano, uh, the first half, Graves and Kevin Patrick argued about Wisconsin. Um, Masse grabs Gargano. Uh, on the floor, and then Dexter Loomis is in the crowd and starts choking Masse, and Graves says Gargano was flirting with Maxine when he hits a DDT to Otis on the edge of the apron, one final beat, and pins Otis in two minutes and 53 seconds. This died in front of this crowd too, man, and and I think it it tells you a whole lot about... I mean, Otis is like somebody who the crowds have been responding pretty well to, and they didn't hear tonight. And Johnny Gargano, like, firmly in the category of, like, people that most, you know, WWE viewers don't seem to care about at all. He just does not feel special. 
Kathy Kelly interviewed Paul Heyman. This this segment was purely for anyone that didn't understand Cody going to SmackDown was to confront Roman Reigns, where the segment he stated, Kathy interrupts and says, no, Cody just said he's showing up on SmackDown. And Heyman says, either Cody will confront Roman or Roman will confront Cody. There is no ambiguity here. You are going to see these two in a ring together on Friday if you tune in as we strive to remain the number one show on television on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that. good. And then another long list of announcements for Raw next week. Kevin Owens against Solo Sokoa, face-to-face between Logan Paul and Seth Rollins, Finn Balor against Johnny Gargano, Bianca Belair against Carmella, and the return of John Cena. So uh, looking like a very big show for Boston next week. I'm loving that they're at least announcing more than three things, you know, for ahead of these Raws. I I mean, it's a... It's a pretty good-looking show on paper. You know, Gargano versus Balor, that looks very good. Owens versus Solo, if they're given time, that'll be very good. You have a big face-to-face. I mean, this is being poised as a pretty big addition of Raw. So They they have – when they announced Cena, they were at something like 7,700 tickets. They are now at over 10,000 since they announced Mm -hmm. Cena's addition. Do you see them – do you think that they will hit uh, 2 million viewers next week? What are they usually at? What's the average? A normal week without football is 1.8. Last week, they hit 2 million, just over 2 million coming off Elimination Chamber. And I'm going to say yes, then. I think they will, too. I think Cena is going to mean a lot next week. Um, Yeah, so a big Mm -hmm. show next week. Final segment of the night. It is Dakota Kai and Io Sky against Becky Lynch and Lita, her best friend, teaming up for the first time. The woman that is associated with a pantheon of legendary tag teams going back to uh, Harley Race and Larry the Axe Hennig, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, um, mm-hmm. Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero. She she managed them all. Going here for the women's tag titles. The crowd is chanting for Lita. Uh, Sky rolls to the floor after Lita teases a moonsault early on. Becky hits a diamond dust and goes for the disarmer on Kai, but Sky stops that. And Sky proceeds to hit an acai moonsault to Becky, and this is where they get the advantage on her for a while. Bailey then slides the title into the ring and then yanks Lita off the apron to prevent t- the tag as Becky is crawling over. And with Bailey's interference, Trish Stratus makes her return, running down to the ringside area and taking out Bailey. And the crowd goes nuts here for Trish. And Lita then gets the hot tag and hit a tilt-a-whirl head scissors. And she gets stopped from climbing, gets out of the way of Eos over the moonsault, and then hits a twist of fate. Once again goes for the moonsault. Bailey gets involved, and Trish pulls her down, hits her with the Trish kick. And Becky applies the, the this, chick kick, right? Uh, the chick. You're right. The uh, all the all these kicks. We got the Mick kick mm-hmm. in Impact, and then we got the chick kick here from Trish. You're right. Uh, Becky then stops Kai, putting the disarmor on her on the apron, and finally Lita hits her moonsault, pinning Io Sky in 13 minutes and 26 seconds. As uh, as Trish also got over the border. Along with Brock and his white lightning. Was there any con- a concern that Tr- Trish w- would not have been able to make I, I, it? I'm just saying, <laughs> just to uh, to get, get over the border. 
Well, clearly Trish Stratus knew where Ottawa, Ontario was because um, reportedly she was there backstage and they were supposed to have her out last week and decided instead to not do it. Um, I think pacing it this way by doing the lead introduction first and then having Trish come out for the match itself probably elicited a, a better reaction for Trish and for the match itself. You know, this match too, I felt was suffering from, for what was supposed to be a, be, being billed as a dream match. Um, I thought the crowd was pretty quiet for most of it, but that changed once, you know, Trish made her appearance and they got into the finishing sequences and it ended pretty well. I, I, I felt. Yeah. So certainly all signs point to six woman tag. But then why do the tag team championships? Why do the title change? I guess for revenge? It's, like See, I I thought that there was a decent chance they would do this the this title switch. Um but all this would state is that, you know, Lita Well, I guess, I guess there are multiple ways of where you can go, but the way this ended, it it certainly suggests that you are getting uh either Lita and Becky defending these titles and Trish and Bailey having a one on one match, or you're doing the six woman tag. I guess those right. are your options. What feels bigger to you? Lita and Becky defending the tag titles would be against Ronda and Shayna. That to me would be a lot bigger. Uh, like mm-hmm. I don't, I cannot see them doing this rematch at WrestleMania. No, I I can't see it either. Yeah. Um. Are and we're expecting Trish to be on WrestleMania, right? I would think so. I would think based on this that you, you yeah. have to assume that. Yeah, and if that's the case, um, Trish and Bailey sounds okay. You know, like of all the pieces that I think you have to 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 use, um, is it a WrestleMania worthy like type of attraction? I, I I think it could at least make for like a decent mid card match. You know, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't feel like enough sizzle really kind of in any any. It's it's been several years now since Trish has done a match that I I feel it will feel important and and maybe you could do. Uh, you know, the original report was um, damage control against Ronda and Shayna. Um, does that just become like the three teams uh, going for the tag titles? Yeah, yeah, it, it could. Like, sure. like what are Ronda I, and Shayna doing? Well, I just I hate it. I hate it, especially for a WrestleMania when you don't really have like any sort of grudge being built and that tension being released. And instead, you're just kind of throwing all these teams in, t- in together, you know, just because just to get them on the show. Like, I think I think it just kind of waters everything down um, and makes everything just kind of feel like it's it's a battle royal. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you, you you ride this, but I do feel this should be a short reign for Becky and, and Lita. Like, I, I don't think Lita needs to be regularly wrestling. Like, I think this is better, you know. Saudi, you think? Like, they, you think she makes it to that show? That, w- that would maybe be the extent of this, to, for, for I, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, th- there was a lot of movement towards, you know, completing this card. I mean, when you go down with what's been announced and what you can see as the direction – you have a pretty good sense of the majority of uh, of the card for yeah. both nights at this point. Like to me, I would say uh, of you know maybe you you just have a question of how these uh, these women pairings will end up with Ronda and Shayna being you know maybe you're only like Ronda being the last key person that you might not uh, know exactly where where she is is set. The, and the rest are all sort of um, you know your less primary figures that will just get mixed and matched and. Either put on the card or not on the card. Yeah. 
So we've got, you know, um, at, uh, Omos versus Brock made official here. Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. We've got Bray Wyatt and uh, Bobby Lashley. Ray and Dominic. Ray and Dominic. Yes. How are you feeling this card is shaping up so far for me? So it's a two-night card, and without knowing, like, what's on, you know, either one, it, it maybe it's, it's a bit tougher to say, but I, I think it's a combination of, like, cool to eh, you know, and, and definitely, like, a Brock Lesnar Omos is more on the eh side. Whatever that ha- is happening right now with, with this Becky Lynch um, situation is a bit eh. Um, but I'm actually quite interested in Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. Um, I'm very intrigued by that match. I would say, though, that there is one hot program, and that is the Bloodline. And those yeah. are the two matches that feel – those are the one-two and yeah. are a clear one-two above everything else mm. for the for either. Ray and Dominic is – I, I think going to be really hot. Yeah, too. that's they, they've certainly put the time into it, and Dominic has done tremendous in this role. So by by the time Mania comes around, that will feel like a hot match. You're right. And possibly Gunther and Drew. Right. All right, that is Raw, and uh, at this point, let's uh, let's quickly go through feedback before we uh, before we head off to the movies, and we will uh, pull up our feedback on the on the forum you can also throw in any super chats if you so desire and uh let's start things off with alex yeah yes he writes i have some thoughts on tonight's raw even though it feels like no one is looking forward to seeing omos and brock i have to say brock feels like the smartest man in wrestling at the moment he gets to work a feud where the pitch is based on just one f5 and gets to work off mvp whereas bobby is going to be stuck doing a feud with bray where my hope is that he comes out the other side with minimal damage but given tonight's skit i'm not going to hold my breath seth's bye-bye bitch delivery to logan paul was the highlight of raw tonight i'm looking forward to seeing what direction this feud goes and the match itself it feels like it could be the highlight for this year's card Last thing, does it feel like Carmella will get shoehorned into the Asuka-Bianca match to possibly eat the pin and protect Bianca in the process to coronate Asuka? It feels like that's the direction with all the Carmella involvement in this feud, unless she's just being used to make both women look strong. I see this more as the latter. I do not see Carmella inserted into that match. I think she's just there to be wins for the primary figures in the program. Yeah, it's very possible they could go, you know, that suggested direction. I, I would just be so against it, you know, because I think you, you want to set a precedent for WrestleMania to tell people that this is the place where you get definitive, like, results and, and not just kind of these cop outs. And they've done nothing to make Carmella feel justified. And she could get a fluke win over Bianca next week, but still, like, she's not a hot enough character to justify a WrestleMania title match. It, to me, would water that matchup down. Um, and knowing, you know, the only result that I think, you know, is it could justify her being a part of it. I, I think just to me takes away a lot of the luster from the match. Let's go up next to Kate from Montreal who joined me on Friday. Uh, Kate says, I wasn't looking forward to Lesnar versus Lashley four, but now that it looks like we're getting Lesnar, Omos and Lashley Wyatt, I kind of missed the time when there was only one match I didn't want to see. <laughs> if they turn either or both into a three way with a bear on cocaine, I will change my tune. I'm not sure what's happening with Carmella, but I'm inclined to think the same as the post above, that they're thinking of including her in the match with Bianca and Asuka to have her take the pin. If not, it at least feels like they're putting enough emphasis on her since her return that there has to be some plan for her at Mania. So Kate seemingly um, seems to disagree and and, and feels like they have done um, at least spotlighted her enough. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens next week. 
And Alexander from Portland, I feel less interested in Mania after tonight's show. MVP and Lesnar's segment just fell off. Bray feels way too silly for a program with Lashley. And with Becky and Lita as the tag champions already, I don't know what team, if any, could be heated up to be great challengers. I don't know any fans that actually want Omos and Lesnar. Why couldn't Lesnar have beaten Omos at the chamber to build up Lesnar and Lashley at Mania? Bray and Lashley at Mania could be a great match, but regardless of who wins, I feel the loser could be really hurting the loss. Highlight of the night was Chad Gable. If the Alpha Academy is splitting... I hope he gets a solid push. All right. So um, I, I can't say either angle for Lesnar or Lashley tonight built their respective program. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they just wanted to save Lesnar versus Lashley for either backlash or, you know, king king or queen of the ring. Um, mm. <laughs> take it back to Saudi Arabia. So maybe yeah. that is it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for your thoughts on tonight's edition of Raw at this point. Way and I are going to give our uh, our our brief thoughts on our movie going experiences over the weekend. Way, you got to go see what has become a very polarizing Marvel film. Maybe not so polarizing. It seems most people very down on Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say um, polarizing. Um, maybe in the sense that um, the critical score is uh, i think at last check uh, for me like something at like 48% on rotten tomatoes and the 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 audience score is something at like 89 but you know we have to remember like what rotten tomatoes actually means it's just simply about whether or not you enjoyed it you know 48% of critics did not enjoy it, or 48% enjoyed it 89% of audiences enjoyed it and that doesn't tell you how much somebody enjoyed something it just simply tells you that you know a black or white yes or no did you enjoy it? And the answer was yes. And I fall into that category as well. I enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I did not like it enough for me to remember it as, a, you know, a significant movie-going experience. Um, so so are we getting to spoilers or not? Yeah, it's been out okay. for a week. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil that much, but like just basically for me, I felt like it was a film that um didn't have a lot of what I've enjoyed about the Ant-Man movies. You've seen the first two, right, John? Yes. Yeah, and like uh I like him because of Paul Rudd. I like him because, you know, he's a guy who has to like, you know, get somehow deal with like superheroing and getting in and out of jail and dealing with all of this weird science stuff that's way out of his element while trying to maintain a relationship with his daughter. And I think they tried to do that here, but um the whole movie taking place in the quantum realm and yes, I know the movie's called Quantum Mania. I I didn't I guess I wasn't ready for how like mm, how f- artificial the whole thing was going to feel and how less fun i i think the whole thing you know felt for me like it it was missing a lot of i think the ingredients that made ant-man feel grounded instead they went very deep into this sort of like you know not a star wars type type of world which i think is fine if maybe that was what the first films were kind of known for, but um, I think it came at the detriment of a lot of the great humor and, and, and character dynamics. I thought um, I thought there was there were one too many like you know principal characters, and it resulted in you know somebody like uh, Evangeline Lilly basically being a non factor at all. Um, I thought Kang, you know, Jonathan Majors had a great debut, like many people have have been saying, including our own uh, Rich Fan, Scrump, and, and WH Park, which you can hear a full, more fuller review on MCU later this past week. Um, but, you know, by the end of the movie, I thought he was... It's weird, because, like, Kang is supposed to be one of 
X, you know, versions of Kang. But we've up until this point have seen two versions of Kang in the MCU, one in Loki, one in Ant-Man. And both of them have been like, you know, brushed off, I would say rather easily or or at least in this case like pretty simply by like you know arguably one of the weaker avengers so um i don't know if that was a great um showcase i think this should have ended with this kang surviving and um you know um suffering causing a death you know among among this this uh the the, our 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 principal cast but um that didn't happen modok i thought was like a fun sight gag i'm really not upset that you know modok was kind of treated as a as a joke like he looks ridiculous anyway so i i think it just kind of fit in tone but um i usually enjoy my marvel going kind of movie experiences just because i'm so like entrenched in the world but like i found this movie unfortunately kind of boring and um how long was it it was like two hours and five minutes. Um, ah, that's not too bad. It's about the length of an average movie these days, Sean. But I mean, I think it was just because so much of it was so dark and inside the quantum realm that I just, I kind of, I kind of lost my interest partway through. So I'm looking at this list. So the next Marvel release is Guardians in May. Correct. Yeah. That feels like that'll be a big one. Yeah, it, it better be. I'm I mean, excited it's, it's, to see that one. It's the third one in the series. Um, you know, of course, it comes after the entire James Gunn sort of controversy, and he's since now become the he- one of the heads of of, the, of DC, um, mm-hmm. DCU. So um, there's a lot riding on him. I think you know, just uh, delivering and and uh, if this does well, like it could be a, the best ad DC has ever had. All right. Well, um, so you're giving this what a uh, on a scale of one to ten? Where where does this uh, land for you? I'm gonna say like a six and six, six and a half, which is is on the lower end for a Marvel film. So glad you saw it, but you're not gonna give some overwhelming recommendation for it. No, no. Well, I went out to go see Cocaine Bear on Saturday with uh, two of my friends, and. The first time I saw this trailer, I decided, you know what? I want to see this movie and I want to see it in a movie theater because this is either going to be a terrible joke that runs its course after five minutes or it's going to be a whole lot of fun for the time it lasts. And this, this is a movie that understood what it was working with here and the runtime is glorious. This thing was like 90 minutes. It was the perfect length. I I loved it. As I have said many times when it comes to uh, lengthier things, I, I've never left a movie in my life and said, oh, it wasn't long enough. I've never said that. And I did not in this case either. Now, this what are you what is your impression of this movie, Wade, just from the marketing and, and what you have heard about this going into the weekend? I mean, my impression is exactly, I think, as the title uh, seems to say, you know, Great it's, title for me, like, it's the like- title is brilliant. If for lack of a better word, it's, it's, it's sort of like a stunt movie, like a gimmick movie, you know, in the way that a stinks on the, on a plane is. Like, it's the yes. type of movie that just kind of sells you based off of the title alone. You don't have to know any other backstory. You're going to see a bear on cocaine. Yes. And that's sort of the, uh, I've seen that comparison to snakes on a plane, which I also saw, I, I was in New York City when I saw that movie in, in a theater. I think I had more fun watching this, to be quite honest. And we're certainly – it does feel like we're semi-removed from these types of movies that I guess you can equate them somewhat to a Sharknado, which I never watched the Sharknado movies. So uh, I I can't compare it to to that series. But for those that are not familiar (laughs) – as much as the title is great, they they utilized very heavily – 
based on a true story, which automatically <laughs> grabs people. And things I heard from people going into this, like people were saying the I'm amazed of like how real this was. And then when I did my research, it's like <laughs> it's what what happened was in 1985, there was a drug drop off of a plane and duffel bags of coke landed in this forest and a bear ate ingested a duffel bag full of coke and died. Obviously, this did not lead to a coke fueled bear this eating people in these in in this mountain region this blood mountain uh that, that so this is pretty much taking a semblance of reality and just going nuts but you know what i i i'm not sitting down for a documentary here so i don't care uh, at why, all that's why this movie was made to see what would have happened if this bear Absolutely. survived it was like what could have happened had this bear not died so <laughs> the movie some of the highlights, number one, the runtime. Number two, uh, Carrie Russell, who you would know for, from the Americans and a million things. Felicity. She, Felicity, yes. The fact that they landed Carrie Russell for this, she plays the heroine, which uh, obvious, obvious <laughs> pun in this kind of a setting. Um, and she plays it so straight. Like it is just, you needed her character in this. And so the basic premise is, uh, Carrie Russell has a daughter that is skipping school with her friend. These are like 10 year olds and they go off to this, this mountain range and they stumble upon this Coke. And you've got these drug dealers that are also going to this mountain range to find the duffel bags because the main drug dealer, Ray Liotta, in his final film before he died, this is his last role, uh, needs to recover this cocaine or else it's uh, there's going to be bad people coming for him. So you set the tone immediately with this couple that is out there in the woods and this bear is seen off into the distance ramming its head into a tree and then comes and just mutilates this woman and you are left with her severed leg but as violent as this might sound, this is so much closer to Evil Dead than it is to graphic violence. Like, dude, mm -hmm. I howled at so many times during this movie. It had uh, some great scenes, men, many how, surrounding how, how, the bear. How full was yeah. the theater? Oh, dude, it was fairly empty. I, To oh, be okay. fair, I went to an earlier showing on Saturday. This was like a 5.30 showing. It was um, – I would imagine – a, a late night showing, it would have been a way more animated. Yeah. Uh, like, I wish I saw a later show where people were just um, more into the party vibe because yeah. uh, we saw it and, dude, the theater had to be like 30% full. Yeah. Like, it, this feels like it's the type of movie like you might want to go to like like a smaller cinema for like that. Totally. That might be frequented with with, yes. with adults, obviously, and and um watching like on, on a late, late, late night screening there, with alcohol. There were a a group of kids that tried to sneak into this movie and they got chased out by security like that. It was just such a throwback to me. You got to try. When you know? do you see kids trying to sneak into movies these days? So anyway, um, my favorite part that my favorite character in this whole movie was the character of Bob who plays essentially the town sheriff. And he is played by Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Who for wire fans out there will remember as Senator Clay Davis on the wire. This man, he might have been representing the law, 
but he was guilty of stealing every scene that he was in <laughs> in this film. Dude, this guy was so awesome. There is a scene at the gazebo. I won't go into all of the details, but it is it's the funniest scene in the whole film and he was fantastic. Um just the best. Um That's about it. It's it's a stupid movie, but it never takes itself seriously and there are enough funny moments that get you it's 90 minutes and i i really enjoyed it it was a fun movie to watch in a theater i don't think i would enjoy this as much if i was sitting at home watching this i think Mm -hmm. this is a movie you want to see in a theater and that was sort of my impetus to see this i wanted to see this with my friends that are kind of into the same stupid stuff i am and that was it was the experience of going and being in a theater with other people just laughing at just a stupid violent film for an hour and a half every theater or every movie production company is after an idea like that you know an idea that can not be you know for a film that can't be replicated by a netflix or something that you know um you you can watch and stream at home or download illegally at home something that you have to pay to be in a theater an experience that you have to pay to to have with your friends maybe late at night or maybe i don't know during a matinee or something and um I I hear that uh, this this was very successful over the weekend. It did over twenty eight million dollars worldwide. Uh, so they're they're almost they've almost uh, reached their their budget of like what it costs. Like this was only a thirty million dollar movie or so. There's there are sixteen people cast in this movie. That is it. That's there are no background extras. There is there are sixteen wow. people total in this whole film. And okay, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks was the uh, Elizabeth director. Banks produced and directed this. So mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to get her any kind of nod uh, award wise. But I would say if if you're into just like a fun, uh, like it, it's not a just a joke title and it, it doesn't have substance to it. There's plenty of okay. substance abuse in, in this uh, and some, some wacky violence as well. And so popular way that the asylum who are uh, the studio that made Sharknado today have announced that this summer they will release. And I don't think this is a joke attack of the meth gator. Right. Okay. So that's where we're at now. We're just kind of putting. Yeah, a, and, and a, that's a where I, I I I draw the line too. I was like, I enjoyed this, but huh. I'm not going to watch the the knockoffs uh, mm. af- after this either. So there you have it. Uh, I, I recommend it. I I would certainly. It got me a. back to the movie theater. So that that. And was how it. was that? How was like just simply going back to the theater? I I enjoyed it a lot. It was interesting because while we were waiting for the film to start, to your point that you were just making, there were several ads uh, where it's just subtly talking about the enjoyment of seeing a theater, uh, a movie on the big screen. Like mm-hmm. you could see like a real push to get people back to movie theaters just in the ads that we were uh, sitting through at, at the beginning. Uh, but I loved going back. I mean, it, it was not so much a um, not being comfortable going back. It was more so just scheduling wise, trying to get out to a movie. So I was glad I got to on the weekend. I think I just, missed you at the theater john because i saw your i saw your ticket stub and like we had just gotten back when when you posted your photo of the ticket stub from the same theater. so we you you went to the same theater yeah we we live in in a similar neighborhood so yeah yeah. you're right oh you should (laughs) have stuck around we you could have come and seen it i could have snuck in i could have joined the little kids you could have just walked in in. it was a pretty empty theater you you would have been fine um so Um, there that was uh that was a lot of fun I, I think you sold a few people in our chat to see Cocaine Bear over, over Ant-Man, who, uh, which uh, suffered a huge drop second week. So I have the box office results from this mm. week, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Ant-Man and the Wasp was still number one at $32.2 million, 
but Cocaine Bear right behind at 23.1 million. Oh, okay. I, I saw another one that said 28, but there you go. 23 and then Jesus Revolution. I heard about this film, but I, I don't know too much about it. But, but the bigger story is, you know, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp with the second week drop of a pretty significant, um, uh, amount, you know, for a Marvel film. And I mean, it should not be rivaling Cocaine Bear like two weeks <laughs> in, you know, so. Huge win for Cocaine Bear. Look, look at Avatar just squeezing every last drop out of uh, their their release. They're going to get every mm-hmm. last million. Are you planning another trip to the movies anytime soon? So my friends want to go see John Wick 4 in March. I, I, I enjoy the John Wick films. Apparently, this one, though, is almost three hours. So so what's your cutoff? Like, evidently, 90 is your sweet spot. Okay, 90 would be amazing if every film could be so judicious with their time. Like, two hours. Once you're going above two hours, I better really want to see this movie. Mm, okay. My next trip will probably be for Creed 3, and not because of the bra um, product placement tonight. Um, yeah, they were pushing it hard. Yeah, I, I would like to see Creed, Creed 3 at some point. Yeah. Maybe I'll and then, um. And then what? It's like you know, there's a lot coming out. It's like Guardians, Fast, uh, Fast. There's a, there's fast a Scream X. movie coming out. They're up to six now. Okay. Yes. Uh, Into the Spider Verse. There's the Super Mario Brothers movie. It look, looks really good. The animated one, not the uh, live action, but yeah. Well, <laughs> the movies are back. They're back. And you know what? Also is back. April first and second, the WrestleMania watch party that is being presented by Poison Rana's. Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. It is going down two nights at Gabby's in Toronto at 309 King Street West as the two of them will be hosting watch parties for both nights of WrestleMania. Tickets available starting at $11 at poisonrana.ca. They will be doing trivia, drink specials with some of Davey's finest, and handing out prizes. And boy, uh, you don't want to throw your back out on trivia. You want to be ready for what prizes might be up for grabs at Gabby's over WrestleMania weekend. So we will remind people over the next month, uh, a great spot to go to catch WrestleMania both nights in Toronto. Will they be serving a liquid sky or like light lightning? Oh, maybe, maybe they can uh, do some shots of some, uh... no, never mind. I'm going to, I'm just going to, Slam the brakes on that. I, I don't have. We'll leave it to to Davey to to come up with the drink. He's, he's good with the he's names. Really he's very expert. good with the names. Yeah. Uh, also, we have our WrestleMania schedule up. John Pollock hard at work, and uh, along with John Cena now uh, helping us update a lot of the WrestleMania week schedule and offerings. Especially if you're going down there in LA, if you want just a one page source of all the shows that you could possibly be going to or even if you're watching at home and you're if you're digging around to see what you can watch on fight plus or elsewhere streaming that weekend go to postwrestling.com slash mania it is up right now uh on our site yes it, it is not a hundred percent complete yet but i i think the majority of stuff is all up there but we'll, we'll still be adding to it over the next uh, if, couple of days if there's something missing email john at postwrestling.com yes. and get your show added to our list yes All right, that's going to wrap things up. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Big week here at postwrestling.com. We will be back Tuesday night with Rewind Away number 126 as Way is off to watch WWF UK Rampage 1992 hosted by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. And then uh, we will chat with you on Wednesday night after Dynamite. So that is it for us. And thank you for tuning in for our reviews of Quantumania and Cocaine Bear.